Before we start the show, if you want more stock talking, check out my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash bbrostoff or visit postcoronastocks.com. You can find me on Twitter at at BMB21. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. All right, welcome to another episode of Stock Talking. My guest today is Mike Lombardo, founder and CEO of GlideFast Consulting. GlideFast is a ServiceNow consulting agency that helps top Fortune 500 and federal government clients maximize their ServiceNow investment. The company is continually recognized as a leading provider of ServiceNow integrations, and Mike has helped countless clients improve their efficiency and day-to-day operations through being on the cutting edge of the Now platform. Mike, welcome to the show. Ben, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Me too. I'm very excited for this conversation. So I started. I wanted to start off by asking a little bit about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a subject I'm really interested in, and I think as the goal of this podcast is to tease out how good companies operate. Uh, really excited to talk to you. So I, I thought we could get started by asking you um, what made you want to start your own company and also how you got into the IT and ServiceNow space. Awesome. So really, uh, entrepreneurship is something that I was really interested in at a very young age. Um, you know, a- after I kind of, uh, in my teenage years, getting into IT and computers really intrigued me. Uh, I loved building websites, uh, fixing computers. So I really, you know, I tried uh, exploring some opportunities there, right? Building websites for, for different restaurants and businesses, um, and then doing, you know, computer repair on the side uh, while I was a desktop engineer, you know, doing it for a full-time career. So, it, you know, I've, I've dipped my toes into, into different businesses, and I think it really helped me um, prepare when, when, I, when I did have, uh, a, a, you know, an opportunity like GlideFast, like the ServiceNow space, I already kind of had some experience in starting a business and, and some failures under my belt, right? I think failures... Are, uh, you know, you hear it from, from, from some of the successful businessmen uh, and women out there, you know, failures is so important, right? Um, getting some failure under your belt, learning lessons. Uh, and that, you know, by the time I came ready to start GlideFast, it was, I was ready to go. Definitely. I think GlideFast was really interesting to me because it, the orientation around ServiceNow and a couple of years ago, I, I mean, I had heard a little bit about ServiceNow, I, I kind of put in the enterprise software bucket along with uh, Salesforce and a couple others, but yep. how specifically did you get into ServiceNow? Great question. So I, um, I was a help desk agent for about five years, you know, answering phones, solving computer issues. Um, and I became a help desk team lead. Um, and we went, we put an RFP out for a new uh, uh, help desk platform, ITSM platform, basically to handle incidents or requests. Um, and we obviously landed on ServiceNow. This was back in about 2010, so it was a little early on in the ServiceNow journey, um, but we just fell in love with the platform. Uh, so I really, really uh, kind of earned my stripes as a customer, and, um, and that kind of flows into how I you know, ended up in the future starting GlideFast. It was, it was several years later, but I noticed immediately uh, there was such an opportunity in the market. There was not a ton of partners out there. We really only had one option for a partner. It was, it, it, there was only one partner for us to, to, to work with. So, and, and, um, and you could obviously just tell the demand out there, right? There were 
tons of uh, job postings, you know, companies could not hire fast enough. So really the market kind of uh, dictated, hey, listen, this is, this is a great opportunity. You have to jump in this. And I've always kind of gone with the flow, you know? So um, after I was a customer, I went into the consulting world at another startup. Um, and really, so I got, you know, my consulting skills down. Um, and then eventually I had an opportunity to, to kind of go independent and then start GlideFast. So I, I jumped all over it. Definitely. I, I think it's interesting. It's one thing to see a pretty robust market with, with high demand and another entirely to go out and found your own company. I mean, there's, you have to be pretty high on the yeah. risk spectrum to do that. So yeah. Uh, what, yeah. what made you confident enough at that moment in time to say, I'm going to take the jump and I'm going to give this a try? Um, I, I think the good news, you know, for me was I, I didn't have to rely on other people, right? So I was a consultant myself. I was a developer. I, I, so I knew at the end of the day, I, I, I was rolling up my sleeves, right? I was the, the one who started. I rolled up my sleeves and, and jumped right in and, and did the development. Same thing with my partner, Lloyd Godson. You know, we, we really, uh, you know, paved the way, right? So we, we led by example. And uh, so as we grew, so we didn't have to really take a, a huge investment to start the business because we didn't have to hire someone to start doing the work, right? We kind of built it off of our work first, right? Our, our customers um, worked with us directly. And then as, as our demand grew for more business, we were then able to hire people, uh, you know, beside us. Yep. So you got a pretty strong tailwind behind you. I mean, ServiceNow is growing and becoming a more and more valued platform. But I'm interested in going from those early days of, of having a few clients to getting where you are now, uh, where, you know, I, I've heard of some of the, the clients you have and talking to my brother about um, all the uh, kind of different things GlideFast is doing. Um, what was critical in getting to that size? I mean, I'd love to hear more about your lead gen process and how you went about sourcing clients. Really, it, it's consistency. You know, uh, um, we really just focused on delivering, you know, successful projects every day, right? And, and it really felt like every day there were wins, you know? Um, we, we, we did such great work, you know, with one client and then it, it just kind of spiderwebbed, right? You know, maybe there would be a, a, an account rep that saw the work we did at one customer and said, hey, listen, on this next project, I, I want to bring you know, Mike Lombardo and Glidefast into that next project. Or the project manager says, I'm not doing another project unless I have these resources, right? So a lot of it was um, just, just that, you know, consistency in that, um, in the success we had on one project, you know, the service now, obviously that they, they wanted to replicate it on the next one, right? So, so we were really fortunate that, again, there wasn't this huge, um, Lit, you know, uh, amount of developers available, you know, so, so when, when, when ServiceNow found a good developer, a good consultant, um, they really, especially in the early days, really hung on to them and really, you know, kind of brought them onto the next project. Yeah, it's interesting the amount of scarcity in the talent pool at that time. Yeah. I'm wondering uh, also about some of these projects, right? I, it's been interesting to me reading some of ServiceNow's conference calls over the years they're so successful in being able to upsell customers and the renewal rate's so high, you have a basic implementation and then you expand it to two or three or other, you know, other more disparate modules. So I, I'm wondering if any clients or specific projects, you don't have to mention names, sound, stand out to you in terms of, you know, we did that, that one thing and it led to this other three or four things or any specific moments in time where you really felt like a certain project led to other opportunities. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so when we first started, um, we got a lot of subcontracts from ServiceNow. So ServiceNow would, would bring you in for subcontracts at, at, when you're a registered partner. And, um, you know, so we, you know, those projects are typically the most difficult ones. You know, it's usually the ones ServiceNow professional services doesn't want. So again, it's really just that consistency that we delivered. And I, I you know, one particular project doesn't really stand out. It's, it's, kind of all of them, right? The projects I had, I remember were difficult. And then, you know, the first few hires and the projects they had were really difficult. So I think there was kind of like, there was an expectation that they weren't going to go well. And then when they did, it really just like stuck out as like, wow, like the, we need to continue using these resources. And, 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 and you know, as we hired, our hires were very intentional. You know, we weren't just out scrambling, grabbing whoever, you know, we knew because we were members of the community, we knew really who were the, the best in the business. And we knew what questions to ask when we were interviewing. So we were very purposeful in who we were hiring. And, um, and, it, and it just kind of, you know, they were better than I was, you know, so every hire was almost better than the last one. And our, our customers were just really happy um, and just, you know, service now is really having just recommended us and, and it's just kind of the ball kept rolling. Yeah. It's interesting how deliberate you, you, it seems like you were in making those hires and finding people who, as you say, you know, really had the skills and could do some incredible stuff with service. Now I want to talk about hiring because I think it's a really interesting subject that, you know, as a business owner, I imagine it's tempting when things are going well to go out and take some capital and, and really aggressively reinvest in the business and hire people. But I'm wondering how you find that balance between, you know, we need to be cautious and we need to keep some cash in the bank and we need to reinvest because, you know, we need more developers for this project going forward. Yeah. I love scale and I love growth. Um, you know, I, I do have that, um, sometimes to my fault, uh, <laughs> I feel if you're not growing, you're shrinking. And, um, you know, especially in this space when, you know, when you see service now growing 30, 40% year over year, the partners community should be as well, right? Uh, if ServiceNow is growing, that means the work for partners are growing, especially when ServiceNow came out and made the stance that, um, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to invest and they're not going to compete with partners. They're not going to invest in their professional services organization. They want to spend their money on R&D. They want to spend their money on, you know, innovating on the platform, uh, developing new products. So, um, and I love investing in people, you know, investing in people, um, you know, I'll do that any, any day of the week, right? If I, if I see someone has the drive, has the, uh, the heart, right? I, I, I'm a very passionate guy myself. So I, I, love, I love high performers. Um, and, uh, but sometimes, you know, it is a business, right? Sometimes it does, it does backfire on you. And, and uh, you know, when you invest in things like technology, you know, you can, you can, and it doesn't work out, for instance, you know, you can say, okay, let's move on. That technology didn't work. But when you're investing in people, these people have families, livelihoods. So, you know, I think over the five years, I've kind of, you know, since we started, I've kind of realized, you know, be very careful in, in where you're, you know, when you invest in people, just, just be cognizant that if it doesn't work out, you know, you, you're leaving these people, you know, what, what are you doing with those people then? You know what I mean? And the business does have to be profitable, does have to make money. So it's really important to, if, if and when you do invest in people, make sure you're fully aware of what you're doing. You know, and that's, that's you know, from the beginning, I always made sure 
I was fully transparent with, with, with our resources. I did everything I can to, you know, if they were going to quit their job, I made sure I had work for them, right? I wasn't going out on a limb and just hire and say, yeah, maybe we get this project. You know, if there was a risk, I, I made sure I'm, I'm transparent around all those risks, right? But things change really fast in this industry, obviously. And, you know, you have to do everything you can to, if you do make a commitment to somebody, keeping your word and, and making sure there's work and opportunity and, and there's potential for them to be successful. You have to set them up for success. Yeah, I think talking about the, the people side where things don't necessarily work out, this is an interesting jumping off point to talk a little bit about COVID and the impact it's had on the economy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's certainly a scenario where perhaps some people and some resources you thought uh, were going to really benefit from increased demand, that the demand doesn't necessarily materialize. Of course, ServiceNow seems to have done really well through COVID. I've been extremely impressed uh, this last quarter's uh, call, Bill McDermott, really was very bullish, very positive on the renewal rates they're seeing. Um, they haven't seen any downsells. Even that 20% of clients they have that they said were very Im impacted, uh, yeah. being in the retail or restaurant uh, yeah. type space or leisure travel, um, even, even those guys have been able to kind of stay in the game for a bit. Of course, like I, I think you have to think it, you know, in a couple months, things can certainly get worse, right? No business can sustain 30 to 40% decreased demand for a couple quarters in a row. So I'm interested in your take as, you know, someone who's CEO of a company, how do you view this risk and how do you prepare for something like seeing that decreased demand for such a sustained period of time? You know, um, if you asked me this question about a month and a half ago, I, I'd, I'd be a, a lot more bearish, right? But um, we, we went through a weird April, um, the, the space, right? Because I think everybody was just kind of like, well, what are we doing? Um, but, you know... <laughs> Digital transformation, I know it's a little buzzword, but digital transformation is no longer an option. It is mandatory. Like, it's not that handing somebody a piece of paper and swivel chair activities are, are not a good you know, process or, or most efficient. It's no longer an option. Like, you physically cannot hand somebody a piece of paper because you're not in the same office. You know, we need, the, we need things in a system, right? Um, we're, we're working with, uh, several states, uh, state departments right now where, you know, the, the unemployment inquiries were handled in, in email and, um, you can imagine the increase in, 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 uh, inquiries for, for unemployment, right? So they, they're forced to get out of email, put that into a system and there's no better platform uh, like ServiceNow, where we can build an app in days, you know, instead of a, a you know a typical State Department having to go out and procure a new application, uh, you know, solicit a new, you know, put it on RFP out there, uh, test application, you know, they already have ServiceNow, um, and we can build an unemployment, you know, uh, inquiry application within days, you know. So, so I, I think um, things have really increased since the start of May, once people kind of got their feet on the ground, um, obviously outside of those industries that are heavily, heavily affected. Yeah, a couple of things on that. So, I mean, I think when you're an investor, you know, hearing about these things or just someone on the outside world hearing about ServiceNow, it's a, the idea that you could spin up an application so quickly that could do something like process unemployment claims uh, is pretty spectacular. So, I mean, I know it's it's extremely complex, but I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how the ServiceNow platform allows you to do something like that in that short amount of time. 
Yeah, because <clears throat> because ServiceNow is a platform, right? It has this set of tools and features that allow you to, to build uh, applications on top of it pretty rapidly, right? If you're if you're starting from scratch, if you're building you know things in HTML or or SQL databases, right? You have to start from some scratch. Uh, ServiceNow already has this beautiful foundation in these tools that you can leverage to quickly, you know, create forms, automation, the workflow engine. Uh, I'm sure you, you heard that, you know, Bill talked a lot about workflows, right? Um, you know, that workflow engine is, is amazing. Um, so, so really it's, it's, it's the foundation that, that is already there for you. And, you know, a seasoned developer can jump right in, leverage those tools that are available to you to quickly uh, roll out and deploy applications. Definitely. Yeah. And the commonality I hear from people who work with ServiceNow is the API is super robust and you can do any number of things. Like you mentioned, workflows definitely be a fo being a focus. You know, I know Bill has definitely been marketing that for a while on the last few calls. Yeah. Um, so you talked about one with unemployment that really seems to be a result of COVID. I'm wondering, have any other customers have some, have, have they had unique asks as a result of COVID? Like, are you seeing specific kind of unique things that have come on as a result of the current environment uh, as it pertains to ServiceNow? Yeah, I think in, in the more general term is, is everyone's kind of like, okay, we need to get our stuff together. We have to do more with less, right? Everybody's budgets are getting cut. So more with less means leveraging technology and automation. And I think, and then you have your specific industry uh, issues that arise, like in healthcare, tracking patients remotely now. You know, doctors can't even see patients right now, face to face, right? They, they, so so how, how do they, how do they uh, talk back to those patients? How, how, do, how do organizations, you know, if we're talking about opening back up, right? How, do, how, do, uh, how are organizations uh, tracking things like temperature checks, symptoms, right? We're hearing all, all different uh, companies having to actually, you know, have employees uh, attest, hey, listen, I have no symptoms. I don't have these symptoms. I don't have temperature. Uh, you know, they actually have to do temperature checks. So, so really there's, there's, as a whole, there's digital transformation is just, is just no longer an option. Uh, budgets are being cut. We have to lean more heavier on technology. Um, you know, un unfortunately, you know, th there are things like layoffs and, 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 you know, for the other employees that are left over, how can, how can we make their jobs easier? Right. How can, how can we, how can they, they, um, and how can we enable, employees to solve their own issues now right because we don't have the luxury of of uh all these help desk and call center agents like like we did before right again they're they're they're, they're we're in the more do more with less you know uh world even for those businesses that are that are surviving even thriving through this you know look at amazon they had to hire what a hundred thousand employees so even the ones that are doing well still have more demand you know and, and they and they don't have all the employees that they need so so either way you know whether companies have to have to you know decrease their budgets or they're an increase in budgets technology is crucial center to 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 both to both of those scenarios yeah, the, the do more with less, I think that's particularly applicable for governments and municipalities, right? Like these are institutions that are now having to draw up a ton of regulation. You know, you just saw it uh, in Massachusetts with kind of this phased phase one through four reopening. Um, yeah. So 
I think they're understaffed, right? It's pretty incredible when you think to begin with a lot of, uh, a lot of government agencies don't have access to top technology talent. So they really have to lean on agencies like GlideFast. Um, I know Faircode is a company within GlideFast that kind of caters to government specific clients. Correct. So I was really interested to talk to you about differences in, in how government clients operate versus the private sector and what unique challenges you see there. Ooh, that's, that's, that's a great question. You know, I try to stay away from the government world personally. I, you know, I, I run the commercial enterprise uh, businesses, but, you know, I think, um, I, I think, you know, the good thing about, you know, government agencies is that their, you know, their projects are fully funded. Um, you know, th their, their money keeps coming in, you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, especially in the States, they're just getting slammed right now, you know, and they're, and they're run, you know, their budgets are running out. Right. I, th I think we're going to see, a, you know, I know it's kind of off topic, but I think we're going to see a lot of uh, property tax increases. I, I know Nashville just announced like a 32% increase in, in taxes there. So uh, things like food assistance for their citizens, you know, um, we're seeing, you know, the, the citizens are hurting right now, right? Citizens are un uh, unemployed. So I really think, you know, uh, kind of some of the apps similar to healthcare, right? Some of these apps that we're building are not just, you know, IT helping IT or automating processes. They're helping, they're truly helping feed people. You know, I mean, how do you, how do you handle hundreds of thousands of, of uh, issues with, with citizens, you know, getting food, right? How, how do you, how do you, how do you sort through that when you're used to, you know, you know, hundreds of requests, how, you know, how do you handle hundreds of thousands, you know? Um, so, you know, I guess I don't have the best answer for that. It's to me, I mean, you know, a lot of these problems that I t a lot of these problems that organizations are having are across the board. Right. Um, but again, then you have your industry kind of specific stuff. Uh, but you know, a lot of these companies, it, it, it's, they think they're unique, but a lot of companies are not not up to speed. They're not automating things. They're um, you know still doing things on paper, you know. So it's really getting everybody up to to you know to twenty first century kind of technology and pro you know processes and automation uh, across the board. So and you basically anticipated the next question I was going to ask. I mean, I, I worked for a government client where a lot of my work was moving some servers from on-prem to use AWS. Uh, of course, all like approved, you know, AWS yeah. services. Uh, yep. Government has various certifications for what you need to, to store your data in the cloud. Uh, I thought it was interesting looking at some of your know, Faircode's materials. You know, there are integrations with Microsoft Azure, uh, Splunk, Chef, AWS. You, know, you guys integrate with all manner of, of top-tier cloud tools. Um, so I guess even, you know, putting COVID aside, um, I think this is a huge opportunity that GlideFast and ServiceNow have, right? To to put people in the cloud who might have been using on-prem or, or some other outdated technology. And I'm sure it's accelerated by COVID. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that, about clients you're seeing that are now ready to kind of take the jump from maybe a process that was manual or on-prem and moving to the cloud and doing so in an automated way. Yeah, I mean, um, especially government, right? Government's kind of last... To, to kind of get up to speed, right? So we're seeing a lot of government customers that are still on-prem environments. 
uh, legacy applications that are, uh, you know, needed to be updated, right? Um, and, you know, the, the, good, the real great thing about ServiceNow is they're continuing to innovate, right? They're, they're coming out two new releases each year. Um, so a lot of their solutions now I think we're going to see are industry-specific, right, for, for government customers, uh, for healthcare, uh, you know, for, definitely for industry-specific solutions. Yep. Um, and I, I think, yeah, you, that you nailed it with what you said earlier about um, ServiceNow not competing with its partners, right? It can focus on building on the platform and building great new features. Like I know the Orlando release got a, a lot of attention for some of the new things that were there. So, you know, you've been working it through it since 2010. Uh, I'm interested, like over that time and especially the last couple of years and in the future too, like what's getting you excited about ServiceNow and how you think the platform is going to change? That's a great question. I, I really see ServiceNow getting uh, in front of their customers' customers, if that makes sense. So right now it's primarily, you know, uh, it, it's ServiceNow started out as really the employee workflow, right? Supporting employees at these organizations. Well, now it's kind of getting, uh, with customer service managers, getting in, you know, supporting their customers. But really, how do we help organizations leverage ServiceNow to actually drive revenue. That's where I really see the platform going because that's what it really is, it is, right? We, you know, instead of, you know, on the website, filling out a form, uh, we, can we can leverage ServiceNow to really support that revenue, right? So that's where I really see ServiceNow going is, is dominating the, the employee experience, helping organizations, you know, service their customers, and then, uh, and that's where we're kind of at now. We're in the middle of that, right? We're helping customers service their customers. But I think in the future, it's going to be drive, helping, ServiceNow is going to be helping their customers actually drive revenue with the platform. Yeah, the revenue piece is something I hadn't really considered. So do you think it will compete with something like Stripe or like a payment processor? Or is it more a way to connect with some of those revenue generating tools? I think it's a way to more to facilitate, right? So, you know, if you have uh, like a, like a real estate company, right? Filling out mortgage forms, um, you know, again, like, like even the state and local, like we talked about with the unemployment forms, right? That is, that is their business. That is supporting their customers that way. So I really think it's, it's going to be truly integrated into, into each business process um, that's customer facing. Um, and, and it, it just makes so much sense where, again, it's that one platform where one source of record, uh, for several different processes and in that ability to continually improve these applications. So it's, so it's not only can we quickly build applications, but we can also continuously improve those applications, right? Um, you know, obviously with the correct development up front and, and following best practices, things like that but nothing is ever set in stone, right? ServiceNow is never meant to be done. There's always more you can let do and uh, more automation you can add. So that, you know, that's, that's a common misconception with, with, with the platform like ServiceNow, you know, uh, people are kind of used to the old, the old applications out there where once you implement it, it stays the same for the next 15 years. It's, it's not the case. It's not meant, it's not meant to do that. ServiceNow is meant to continuously be improved on. It, it's built right, right along those idle, uh, that idle framework of, uh, you know, of that continual service improvement. Yep. 
And, and like with those changes you're mentioning, it, it seems like ServiceNow is going to come to encompass a larger and larger portion of in-house operations, of revenue generating activities. A lot of what used to be done by, I think what was traditionally called back office or you know the IT team is now going to be directly through ServiceNow and, and the people managing it, I, I think are going to be you know, the GlideFast of the world. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that change because it seems like critical infrastructure is now going to be handled a lot by consulting agencies, which is really interesting um, because you know the people who, the consultants of the world are going to need to understand the business problems really well and the infrastructure really well. And traditionally, this seems like a role that was occupied by a full-time in-house team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about, um, you know, a service that a, a company provides to their employees, right? You know, like, like ordering a laptop, right? So, you know, you, you see your, your employee comes in, requests a laptop, uh, and, and you really don't know what's happening in that process, right? You know, the, the user orders the laptops and they get the laptop. Well, what happens in the middle right there, that, that messy middle is in, in the past has been very manual, right? Emails, uh, paper forms, right? And ServiceNow is really focused on, and that's where that workflow comes in of really uh, butting, buttoning up that process and making it repeatable, right? If you're ordering laptops um, over and over, you know, is the same process over and over again, right? We order laptops, we have to image the laptop, we have to get it over to the user. So, you know, that workflow, hearing that, that you know, middle of that process is what ServiceNow really, does really, really well. Um, sorry, did that answer your question? I guess the one piece of that question I, I would ask a little bit more on is um, the role of, uh, I, I, I guess, of how companies are structured, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, Things that you would have, I mean, we could take it from like the technology piece or we could take it from the people piece. And I, I think both are important. So like from the technology side, it, it feels like what used to be on-prem uh, or like a managed service is now totally outsourced. And then from the people side, it, it seems like the, you know, whoever knows, service now is now considered like a core critical part of a company infrastructure. And you need the talent to be able to manage that. Yeah. Uh, so well, I guess what I'm asking is, is the companies uh, you're working with, do you expect them to kind of fundamentally change over the next five to 10 years as a result of ServiceNow? Yeah, I mean, um, so, you know, for, for, you know, what we try to do is really teach our clients to fish, right? So, you know, uh, you have an organization that may, be, may not have the most talented developers that know the whole platform, right? But they have a basic understanding of the platform we'll come in and maybe do uh, a large HR implementation, right? Set up the whole application, configure it. And then, uh, but what's kind of left over is, is for that developer to just maintain an update and upgrade, right? So it, it really gets simpler for, for organizations um, as the platform grows as well. And I don't see it changing too much where, you know, things really don't have to entirely be outsourced, you know, service now development, especially, but you definitely, you just need that expertise to, to leverage and, and, um, and provide guidance for mostly. That makes sense. So it's almost like you come in and implement these, you know, HR, CSM, whatever type processes. And then from there, yeah, as you said, customer learns to fish and can manage it from there. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like your role is to come in, make a workflow automated and then you know it's almost like you can't leave because once they've seen that there's so much more that they can do yep 
That's great. Um, yeah, the I think ServiceNow, there's an opportunity. The, the penetration rate, I think, is only going to continue to grow. Um, it, it's an incredible tool. You know, I've, I've seen it firsthand from some of the work um, I've seen my brother do. So, um, yeah, it's it's been awesome talking to you. Um, and where can I'd love to know where can people find you at GlideFast or learn more about the company? Yeah, uh, no, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, people can uh, email me, Mike at GlideFast.com. Um, I'm, uh, my mailbox, my virtual door is always open. Um, and uh, check us out on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, and, and uh, on our website. Awesome. Thanks again, Mike. All right. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes of Stock Talking and read a blog with my latest trade recommendations, market commentary, and more, visit postcoronastocks.com.